Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Okay, well, hi everyone. Uh, I, have a, I have a great guest on here, and I was on her show recently, and now she's on here, but she is a very brave woman and amazing because she has been doing this thing where she has a podcast and she uh, interviews many different walks of life for eating disorders. And I just think that's so brave. She, she reached out to me, first of all, and once I found out about her, I was really interested. And then also, I don't know if I should say this, but I feel like we have really good conversations off, off camera too. So I always enjoy talking to you, but um, Kristen, thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for inviting me on and giving me the opportunity to speak. It's not, I don't often get this perspective and, and people asking me things. So it's, it's interesting. Oh, they're missing out. They should ask you a whole <laughs> bunch of things. Um, <laughs> Kristen is the podcast. Uh, she hosts her own podcast. So she's a fellow podcaster called the Starving ED Podcast. And I should have asked you this before, but it's on Spotify. Where else is it on? It's on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts. I don't know. Most, okay. most, mostly everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if you found this, but like whenever you start a podcast and you put out a few places, then random companies are like, your podcast is on here. And it's like, how did you get access to the podcast yeah I yeah there's a lot of technical stuff I don't know so I'm just kind of playing along as as things go mm -hmm. yes yes um and Kristen is also working on a program on top of that to help people with um how would you describe it Kristen it's a mindfulness program. And so one of the one of the things that I found really beneficial in my own recovery was just becoming mindful of all the things and judgments and mm -hmm. all the different behaviors I was engaging in. And then from there, sort of watching what it was that I wanted to do. And I think in becoming mindful of yourself, you almost become your own teacher and lead yourself into the ways you want to go. And I think mindfulness is an incredibly important practice um, for, for, for anyone, really. But I, I do, through personal experience, find that there's huge benefit for people in eating disorder recovery. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's half the battle. It's just kind of awakening to life again and being mindful and not getting completely overwhelmed by it but that being said obviously you've gone through your own long eating disorder journey so could you just share with us a bit about that like take us back to how it all started and your journey there mm -hmm. tough to I don't really have um a particular reason why it started I have lots of theories and ideas but um <laughs> it started the eating disorder actually started when I was 18. But prior to that, um, you know, I'd been on a diet since I was in grade three. So however old that was, I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, going to Weight Watchers, and it was just I grew up in that sort of time period where diets were were big and Jane Fonda and the 20 minute workout and aerobics and everything. It was just what I grew up with. And then, um, when I hit 18, it was a summer. And for whatever, I don't know how I did it, but I dropped a whole bunch of weight. 
and man the compliments and stuff the attention that came flooding in mm -hmm. uh and i think that's sort of what solidified my need to continue with it is that all of a sudden i i'd achieved something that i was being recognized for and i didn't want to let it go and of course so i spiral into decades of restriction and binging and purging and uh, the next thing you know i'm 38 years old and uh, so i'd spent 20 years with the eating disorder um sort of trying to figure it out on my own how am i going to do this thinking it was just a diet problem that i just had to learn how to eat properly and uh by the time I got to 38, I was in such mental and physical decline that I thought, I can't, I cannot do this on my own. I do not know how to help myself with this. Mm, yeah, that's a hard moment to reach for, but it's an important moment. Like, of course you can, I think you can recover on your own, but why not just take help, right? Like, why not just mm -hmm. get help wherever you need? And well, every... Um, yeah, sorry. Every journey is different. I, I learned things throughout my 20 years before I went into treatment. And so those mm -hmm. things all helped. But uh, it's just this progressive series of finding things that are going to help you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So why? Well, I would love to ask you real quick, because I know you mentioned on your podcast, but that point of losing weight and then getting the compliments, you said you struggled a lot with like low self-esteem. Um, and I would imagine that was that your weight maybe came became like the most valuable thing to you in a way, like your appearance. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think before I'd lost the weight that I really would have called it a self-esteem issue. Like I didn't I didn't think I really had a problem. But then all of a sudden, when there's this change in who I am and I'm getting recognized and realized I think I sort of um, you know I became very aware of what I was missing before that in terms of validation and acceptance and love if you will in some capacity and it was just it was just phenomenal the feedback and the the appreciation I got and oh you're so strong and the willpower and the determination and I wish I had your strength and like just mm. people just like flooded me with all these things and oh you look so great and I mean how do you go back to giving that up after when you've never been recognized for something in your life before that point Mm -hmm. yeah it's just like finally you found something and it feels so good yeah um, and, and really the matter is like you could just give that to yourself all along but that's from other people it feels really real so mm -hmm. for the 20 years I know that it's sometimes hard to go back to those areas but kind of could you give us a typical day for you like what what was one of your lowest points um it, you know, there's so there's so many, um, mm -hmm. but I guess when a you know I, I would get up in the morning with the intention to not binge and purge, to eat right, to eat good, <laughs> to be good, and uh, you know then the hunger would start and my focus would be on food and I couldn't concentrate and I wouldn't let myself eat. I mean, uh, like my mind was just a scrambled mess and. I, yes, I have depression and anxiety as well, but I mean, throw in malnutrition on top of that, like I just could not focus and it was taking 
all my energy just to simply focus on the basic daily tasks and by the end when I got to the end of my day I would get home and just like I needed something to turn off mm-hmm. in order like to just like ugh. and that seemed to help it was almost like every time I engaged in a binge and purge episode it was like a reset button and you know it was I couldn't find a way to get beyond that. So I didn't need the reset button sort of thing. And, and that's where I really struggled, but that's what the days were like. It was just this whole blur of, you know, okay, I'm going to be good. And then all of a sudden I have these urges and needs and desires. And I, I'm trying to fight myself all day long. And then by the end of the day, it's like, my mind is flooded with these ideas of how horrible I've been. And I just needed to shut it off. And it was just day after day after day after day. Yeah, just Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. Over and over again. It's awful. Yeah. And I like that you said that, like the shutting off, because that's so true for many of us. It's constantly like you think it's going to be fine. And then that one thought of like, what should we eat today? Like just something so simple. And then you freak out. (laughs) You're like, Mm -hmm. whole day is going to be like, this is growing. You start focusing on food and then you throw on like depression, anxiety on top of that. It's just awful. It is. It's so wonder you want to kind of numb out button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, certainly there were other things going on in my life too, that I I cannot share publicly. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, the stresses of life were just adding up on top of the eating disorder. And it's just like, that was my, that was my coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, you kind of shared with us how long that was, that was going on for. And it seems like your tipping point was kind of like, I can't do this anymore at 38. It's like, I need, mm-hmm. I need help basically. Mm-hmm. So what um, you had experience um, in inpatient treatment, or just not no not inpatient it was outpatient it was um the group itself the initial group was 25 weeks and it was one oh i don't know three and a half hour session per week and and that was that was it and then after that 25 weeks you know um went into an extended group and did body image work and uh anxiety and depression I was in a whole bunch of different groups and so in total I was probably doing groups for about a year Hmm. but they were all outpatient and was that effective for you was it helpful yes definitely I mean I remember I remember starting outpatient and thinking thank god like I just sort of felt like this flood of relief that it would finally be over and you know I was being recognized something was wrong and I was gonna get help and it was just like oh it just felt like the weight was off my shoulders and so I was really eager I was really excited I thought you know I'm gonna go into group I'm gonna do my 25 weeks and I'm gonna walk out a superstar (laughs) and it was within weeks of starting the group, it was like a whole unraveling, like I, I came apart in so many ways. And it, it's almost like I got worse. Um, and my mood was crazy. And I mean, in hindsight, I guess, it's to be expected that all of a sudden, I'm giving up behaviors that have served to sort of hide all these things about myself. And now they're just sort of all flooding forward, and I don't know how to deal with it. So I mean, that's what treatment did for me is that it opened, 
it opened the floodgate for self-discovery, but would I, was I recovered at the end of treatment? Heck no. Yeah, it's like you opened the floodgates, but you had done nothing to prepare for the flood. <laughs> no, no, I know. And when I think about it, 25 weeks is just so not long enough. Like, um, like I need it. I, I really needed so much more support than, than I had. But it, I mean, it was something and that's, that's where my journey was. And that's, that's what it was. So mm-hmm. well, it started at least, at least it opened up for you that it's, I mean, this is me giving my two cents on the opinion, but it kind of opened up for you like, oh, something needs to change. And like, there's all this stuff wrong. Like I have to figure out how to deal with this. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And the group I was in was CBT focused. So I certainly learned a great many skills in terms of how to deal with thoughts and beginning to look at emotions and looking at how behavior can affect emotion and vice versa and things like that. And, you know, beyond group and, and the original treatment, I've sort of learned some other things, but uh, certainly CBT was incredibly helpful in showing me a side of myself I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you've said in your podcast many times, they're like, take what works and like use it, you know, but uh, what happened after the groups then if it wasn't, if it was helpful, but not helpful, where did you go from there? Well, when I finished, when I finally finished all the groups at the end of sort of that year, I was actually doing really well. And what happened sort of, um, I'd done the 25 groups, I'd gone into an extended group, and I was just getting worse. And my mood was horrible. And my psychologist at the time had um, resuggested antidepressant medication to me. And I was so dead set against it for the longest time. Um, but I finally, I finally agreed uh, to take it. And it was almost like a, a miracle drug in that mm. I started to see light instead of darkness. I could started to see, you know, oh, wait a minute, I actually am doing really good work here. It was totally like a, a lens of, of had been lifted from my eyes. And, and I actually uh, propelled like really well. And was discharged from treatment and I spent a whole year um, in in recovery on my own and completely like symptom free behavior free anyway and uh, had done really well and then more life changes outside of the eating disorder were thrown on me and I took myself off my medication and so those things combined brought back in the eating disorder which was how I knew how to cope and um yeah it was like I I the eating disorder or treatment had taught me how to sort of cope with those behaviors but it didn't give me all I needed to cope with life right yeah just the behaviors it's interesting too taking having a year without anything happening and feeling good. What made you decide to go off the medication? I don't know as much about antidepressants. Yeah, I was, uh, I was feeling pretty good. And I thought I didn't need them anymore. And I guess in, in, I've had a interesting road with medication and going on them and then off them and then uh, weeding myself off them. And it's always 
it's, it's always been something I've done never because my doctors have said, you know, you, you can take, take yourself off them now. It's just sort of, I've always felt in control of that. I can do it. I'm feeling really good. And what that sort of process showed me, like it helped me to really understand the depression um, because each time I would take myself off the medication, I would nosedive and it would just start to feel like I was hanging on by a thread. And, you know, every time my mood dropped, the behaviors came back on and it was, um, yeah, going through that cycle of meds, no meds, meds, no meds. I really started to see like this depression thing is really beyond me. It's, mm. it's something it's not me. I, because I always thought it was a character thing. If I just work really hard enough, uh, then I should be able to manage the depression. And what I started to see was, wait, this is not, this is not about me and how much work I'm putting in. This is like a, this is a biological thing that, you know, is beyond, um, beyond what I can do on my own. And so I, uh, it's a chemical thing. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. so I'm still on medication now. I have no, no, um, no thoughts to take myself off them. Not now anyway. Um, but I, yeah, sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there. No, you're fine. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's important. Uh, medication is pretty demonized sometimes. But um, I think, like you said, if it works, it works. If it helps you, it helps you. And yeah, I, I go in and out of depression sometimes myself and I don't, I've considered taking medication and maybe I will in the future, I don't know. But um, what's helped me a lot is understanding what you just said, that it's kind of, it's not necessarily me. It has something to do with the work that I'm putting in. It's just kind of something my brain does, which honestly helps a little bit when you're in those emotions too, I think. Cause it's like, okay, I guess this is happening. <laughs> um, but of course, yeah, whatever works, but thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So uh, after, it sounds like you went, you know, off and on a journey with that, but so after the groups, after going off medication, right? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. happened then? Like, how did you kind of get to this recovered point that you're at now? Well, it's been over several years, so it certainly wasn't instantaneous, but after that, after that first year after treatment and I'd gone off my meds, I relapsed and that was an incredibly incredibly dark period for me and I uh, I just didn't know how I was gonna get back on track I mean I went back to my psychologist and we began uh, individual sessions again but it was such a dark time and I remember during that time uh, somebody saying to me and it was somebody I'd met online I didn't even know but um, like he he was doing a blog and I loved what he was writing about and and I emailed him something about this depression because he had shared stories of of mood and depression too and he had responded to me saying you are not your body you are not your thoughts you are wedged somewhere in between mm. and I don't know why but for whatever reason that was just sort of like a it put me somewhere sort of back where I could see these things and think, okay, there is something else, but how do I find myself? And so that sort of began this journey of, you know, who, 
who am I? <laughs> Which um, has been incredibly rabbit holeish at times. Um, but that sort of approach over the next several years and sort of trying to figure out who am I um, is sort of what has gotten me to this place today. And what I've um, found for myself is just this very, um, well, you know, the intersection of the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, it's not just one plane or the other. But I think for me, I had uh, dissociated from the emotional for so long. And so for me, it's been a real reconnection back to the emotional side of me to allow my feelings to figure out like, you know, these desires that I have, and these things that come up, like there's this emotional part of me, and that is so, um, so inherent in who I am. And so it's been a building, a building of that relationship between me and my emotional self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think people try to resist that part of them for a long time. Um, and the fact of the matter is, uh, I mean, unfortunately or not fortunately, we're humans. <laughs> humans have emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of like you can choose to not be there with it and pretend like it's not there or fight it, but mm -hmm. it's kind of a hard road to take. So it is. And it. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's that's what I'd done for for years is uh, not connected with the emotion, just sort of, you know, everybody says the, the mind is so strong. And of course it is, but I was using the mind to override the emotion. Um, and yeah, you can do that. But then I just, I, it was a, it was a losing battle eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you have like, uh, I was just talking about this with someone the other day, that willpower, which is such a ambiguous thing in the first place, but I, they do kind of believe you only have so much and it's hard to use willpower all, all the time. And it's a lot easier just to feel your emotions and then move on with your day in a way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's that willpower thing that um, I feel like it's it's a power to be like that we use for both good and bad. And so um, like what fuels the behavior for eating disorders like that takes tremendous power willpower so like mm -hmm. that same willpower is what's going to propel you into recovery and getting better but it's the same power it's just how you're using it uh that's a yeah that's a great example like we and we like to make bulimia and eating disorders mean that we're so weak and it's mm -hmm. like what if you just like look at what you're doing to achieve this like clearly you have the strength and capability they're just Definitely. putting it all into arguably the wrong place. Yes. Depending on your, what you want. Yeah. 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 No, that's a huge distinction. So with all this going on, and so you did work on yourself, obviously, to put it in very simple terms. Yes. Everything you said, it's like, oh, so you just did some work on yourself. <laughs> yeah, piece of cake. No, it was, it was, it was, it's been gut-wrenching and painful. Um a lot of times and I'd say it's only been within the last year and a half that I've sort of reached a place of like this this feels fundamentally different to me where I am right now I'm not trying to be good I'm not trying to do things so hard it's just I I know who I am and I I'm quite comfortable there and that's that's a I mean I it gives me chills to even be able to say that because there is a time like I could not even 
comprehend being able to be comfortable with myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good place to be in. That's amazing. Can you tell us kind of about your experience with relapse and how you were able to get out of it? Because I know that was a key, like really hard moment for you. Well, there's been more than one relapse, uh, certainly. Um, So, you know, in the beginning, when I had my first relapse it was sort of about getting back on track so I just sort of I went back to my psychologist revisited the meds got back on my recovery plan and then you know I'm off and running again but what starts to happen over the years is that I'm really still quite unhappy as a person and maybe this has to do with the depression but I think there's other some other underlying things there as well and so this unhappiness is following me around everywhere everywhere it doesn't matter what I'm doing and then and then I start to realize you know technically I'm recovered I'm I'm doing everything that I was supposed to do to be recovered I'm not binging and purging anymore and yet I'm still incredibly unhappy and then I'm like well what what is it that I want then like I thought recovery was supposed to make me happy Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm finding this this deep 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 unhappiness still still within me and um, I didn't know how I was going to uh, get out of the last relapse it sort of felt like like I could not I could not stop myself from doing the things I didn't want to do it's like no matter how hard I try it's just I couldn't resist it and so I'm not necessarily advocating this as a strategy for people but I it was one I was willing to take on my own and that was sort of to not give myself over to the eating disorder but I said I I I practiced mindfulness through watching myself engage in these behaviors. I stopped fighting it Mm -hmm. and said, um, you know, obviously I want to do these things. I I feel like I need to do them for some reason rather than condemning myself for doing them and hating myself and trying to make me stop. Let's see what it is I want from them and so it's sort of like a a face-off if you will me and the eating disorder and so I was engaging in these behaviors but I was watching myself and um, you know in the beginning and this this went on for a period of a few months and in the beginning I I just wanted to binge and purge binge and purge binge and purge and I was like okay this is this is fine but I I began to notice I didn't want to and then I was doing it anyway and it's as I'm watching myself I don't want to do this well what do I want and then the line of questioning sort of changed I know what I don't want but what do I want and those were the questions I couldn't answer and it's like this is where this is where the issue is I don't know what I want Mm -hmm. and so um, I had to start sort of figuring out what I wanted and doing the things I wanted and living a life I wanted which was incredibly uncomfortable because I was doing all the things I thought I shouldn't be doing Um, and so that was sort of the exit out of it when I started really beginning to listen to myself and sort of look at myself with some appreciation like I don't believe that we do things just because we like I believe everything we're doing is for a reason and for me at least the eating disorder was very uh 
much related to emotion and the less I listened to myself the more I engaged in behaviors it was almost like the eating disorder was me screaming at myself listen to me mm-hmm. and when I finally started listening to myself that's when it sort of was like the eating disorder stopped um stop pounding on me like it was like okay you're listening to me so I don't need to do this anymore right yeah (laughs) finally like listen to yourself give yourself like that question of what do you want what do you need and then it kind of calms down a little bit I I think that's uh that's chilling for me because I think it's so important if you stop resisting it because I did something a little bit similar but you stop resisting it you own the fact that this these are your actions and then you just kind of watch yourself it Uh suddenly becomes a lot less desirable, a lot less taboo, and a lot less crazy. So these are taking kind of control of the situation and you're not fighting Uh anymore. Uh Uh I mean, there's this saying, and I don't know where it is and whether it's a universal law or whatever, but that which you resist persists. And I find that to be (laughs) incredibly true is that what I resist, there's something there. So instead of resisting, I tend to watch and learn. Like there's opportunity in those moments to to learn something and grow and, and move on. So um, mm-hmm. I think resistance is sort of a not a great strategy. And that's what in the like that's what eating disorder recovery had become feeling to me. Like I was just resisting. I was uh, doing all the things I thought I should do for recovery. Uh, but it just felt like work all the time. And when things come from this heart-centered place, I don't think there's as much strain and effort. Um, but you kind of shifted your desires, right? right? I did. You, instead of wanting to eat disorder, you asked yourself, what do you want? And I'd love for you to give us some insight on, that's a, that's a huge question for people to ask themselves and a really hard question because it's scary. It's like, I don't know what I want. And especially I find that people that I talk to that are, older, I put that in air quotes because it's not Mm -hmm. old, but like um, people that are maybe like 30 plus, they think that they should be adults and have everything figured out. And when they don't know everything, then they freak Mm -hmm. out and feel bad. So Mm -hmm. what did you, how did you work on your self-discovery? Like, how did you figure out what you wanted? Uh, I just started, I just started doing it. Okay. <laughs> and 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 not stopping and it's like there are a million times I wanted to stop like I um I had a relationship breakdown in there at some point and ended up divorced and that's neither here nor there and sort of separate from the story but um I found myself in a place where um I didn't I didn't know who I was outside of like being married or having the eating disorder and I found myself in a place where I had neither anymore I wasn't married I wasn't a wife I I didn't have an eating disorder who the heck am I Mm -hmm. and so it was like what do I really want and I just I um I began sort of doing the things I wanted to do I I loved yoga um I have a love-hate relationship with yoga but I I found benefit to it and a lot of meaning in it for me so I did my yoga teacher training and and then sort of started following that path and um, realized I don't as much as I love yoga I, I can't say I'm a traditional yoga teacher in that I don't teach classes 
but I find that there are a million other things to learn from yoga and other practices. And so I've sort of found my own place in it. Hence, hence my, my website and my business, my piece of yoga, it's mine. Um, I make it mine. I don't follow it because somebody else is telling me to do it this way. It's, it's become mine. And that's what I think it's important for other people. So it's just, it was, it was really following the path to trusting myself. And that was, that was hard. I mean, I've developed friendships over the last few years and they've been instrumental in my being able to do that because they were so supportive of my choices when I felt like I was scared of my own choices. And um, it's, it's a journey of deciding to say yes to myself instead of no all the time. Mm -hmm. And then just, just saying yes over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit similar to that, that Yes Man movie with like. Uh, I've never Carrey. seen it. Never seen it. You're not missing much, but uh, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's with Jim Carrey. I don't know, but like just saying yes to everything, just anything, um, which isn't quite the same as saying yes to yourself. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing, and I love the name My Piece of Yoga uh, for that reason too. It's like it's yours. It's my own thing, and honestly, that's how amazing niches are started, and that's what makes business original and unique you have something unique to offer the world and that no one else has it which is amazing mm-hmm. I yeah. think uh yeah the individuality of like each person is so strong I don't I don't care who you are like there is strength in everybody and so and this is where emotion comes back into it if you're not feeling that strength and that vigor then that's the piece of you that is is needing to be reconnected with and can really sort of dictate where you where you can go and learn and uncover more about yourself but anyway again a tangent (laughs) no you're fine uh like you said i think it always feels in interviews like you're talking a lot when Mm -hmm. we're here to listen to what you have to say so (laughs) thank you Um, uh i think we're running shorter on time this is Mm -hmm. you guys listening to the audience my computer crashed midway through this so Kristen's doing a great job just being a good sport but um (laughs) basically I'd love to ask um what advice could you give out of all your experience you know there's there's so much to say about it what advice could you give to someone who maybe has been struggling for a long time with bulimia and feels like they've you know been through treatments they've been through things and they still keep going back what would you say to them I would say that, you know, your heart leads you. And so somebody who has been trying and trying and trying for years, it's that trying piece, no matter how small it feels, they're, they're continuing to follow that. And, and that's strong. So I can't say that do this and then three weeks from now you'll be okay. But that you just don't ever stop trying. Mm-hmm. And that is huge it doesn't matter the outcome we can't always dictate what the outcome will be it's just you don't ever stop trying yeah absolutely I uh it sounds cheesy to tell people like never give up you know or don't stop trying but it it is the core foundation to a lot of things is you'll eventually uh, even that like you I like that you said it doesn't matter the outcomes and I heard something the other day where it's kind of like just surrender the outcomes like the outcomes don't matter it doesn't 
what matters is that you don't give up on yourself and you keep on going and you, like you said, you follow your heart, you do what you want to do. And at the end that will, that will um, lead you to better places and just allow you to live in your own life, honestly. Absolutely. If I can just add on very, very quickly there is mm. that in that phase where I sort of surrendered to the eating disorder, it was like, I let go of the outcome. I, I didn't want to binge. I didn't want to purge, but I was doing it. But since I couldn't, control that outcome what could I control and what I could control was how I was responding to myself in those moments even when I was binging and purging and so I my practice was to love myself regardless I'm binging and purging and it's okay mm, I'm binging yeah. and purging and it's okay I'm gonna love myself regardless of what I'm doing it's okay and just keep loving myself regardless of what the outcome was yeah forgiveness right that was a huge yes. thing talked about in your podcast if you're forgiving yourself and you're loving yourself and yeah I always tell people that when they binge and purge like nothing morally wrong happened they didn't kick a puppy like no it's okay you know it, it's you get to decide what you want to do with your own body and your own life and like either way you are living your head you deserve that forgiveness like it's it's all right I like the saying it's okay it's yes yes yeah. I, I like that one too it's okay yeah, it's just okay. Um, oh man, I feel I'm sad that this time is coming to an end because I feel like there's more to talk about. But um, tell people what you're doing now. Uh, I am doing individual coaching. I like to call it more emotional support because I think everybody, um, I think people know the direction they want to take their recovery in. And I don't dictate one way or another but I think people can use a lot of emotional support in and through those times and I can certainly offer it to people and coach them through that but I'm also working on an online eight-week mindfulness program because mindfulness has played such a, a key role in my own recovery and I think it's a practice that um oh can can benefit lots of people if they're if they're wanting to sort of get to know themselves more and um, I'm gearing that towards people in recovery from eating disorders or disordered eating self-image issues things like that uh, because I've certainly been there and in the beginning of my mindfulness practice it was ugly I was seeing things in myself I didn't know how to deal with and so even beginning a mindfulness practice can be incredibly hard but you know I've been through that and and it's just if you can see it through, there's there's benefit on the other side. So that's that's what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. I heard this analogy one time, but like when you first take a look at what's inside your brain and the mindfulness, <laughs> it's like you found an a really an attic with tons of amazing things in it, but it's like covered in cobwebs. So you just yes. you gotta take some practice. It's like a little scary, a little crazy, overwhelming, but you can get through it and clean it out and keep on working on it, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's amazing. Where is the best place for people to find you right now? Uh, I'm on Instagram at my piece of yoga and people can listen to the Starving Ed podcast on any major platform. And, and the podcast is also on my website at mypieceofyoga.com. And again, piece is P-I-E-C-E, my piece of yoga. Yeah. Yeah, like a peace of mind, my peace. I like, I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being on the show, Kristen. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy our conversations. And uh, if you ever want to chat again, I'm here. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, if you like this episode, you have to come check out 
the Binge Breakers Recovery course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com slash recovery dash course.